Good morning. How are you guys? How many of you guys have ever heard of David Wilkerson? Okay, that's a lot of you guys have heard of him. Um, if you haven't heard of him, I'll give you a quick summary. He is a, uh, or was, passed away in 2011, but he was a pastor, uh, he was a preacher, he was an evangelist, uh, he was a prophet, he was a leader in the church. He was an author, and the first book he wrote, maybe the, the book he's most well-known for, is he wrote a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, also became a movie in the 60s. And not only is he the author of this book, he's the main character. The book, The Cross and the Switchblade, is about David Wilkerson's um, ministry in New York City. And God had opened some doors and led him to do inner city ministry in New York City. But the story is quite a remarkable story because David Wilkerson is not the first person you would have expected to start an inner city ministry. He was um, a young pastor of a small church in a small town in Pennsylvania about eight hours away from New York City. So I picture a church similar to ours, a small rural town, small church. And uh, so it, it seemed unlikely that he would be serving in New York. And the, the story is quite an interesting one. What happened was one night in 1958, he was reading a magazine, Life magazine, and he came across an article in Life magazine. In this article, was talking about these seven young boys who were gang members, and they were on trial for murder. Seven young boys on trial for murder. And he saw this magazine article. And when he saw it, it caught his attention. And God spoke to him and said, go to New York City and help those boys. So he had never been to New York City before. He had no desire to go to the city. But he felt like God had called him. And so you know what he did? He uh, got in his car a couple days later, got in his car, and he drove eight hours to New York City. And he went to see these boys to see if he could help them. And he didn't really know what he was going to do. He really had no idea what he was doing, but he was confident that God had called him. So he went to the courtroom where the trial was happening, and he actually interrupted the judge and asked the judge, as a minister, would I be, would I be able to visit with these young men? And the judge said no, for, for, said he could not see the boys, and they actually had him thrown out of the courtroom. So he just went home, said, well, that, that, I'm not sure what happened there. That was a mistake. A few days later, God spoke to him again, told him, I want you to go back to New York City, and I want you to help those young boys. And so again, he did the same thing. He drove um, eight hours to the city, went to the court, tried to see the boys. It's kind of a long story, but he was absolutely unable to see them. Could not connect with those. In fact, um, he never did get to meet those seven gang members. But the important part of the story is that in trying to reach them, he connected with some of their family. He connected with some other gang members. Um, he connected with several other young men who were drug addicts and alcoholics and um, some young ladies who were prostitutes and these people in New York City who needed uh, the love of Jesus. And because he responded to God's call to go to New York City, he didn't ever meet those seven gang members, but God did use him to start a remarkable ministry. He's the founder of Teen Challenge. You might have heard of it. It's a, a ministry that ministers to drug addicts and alcoholics and, and people in that place. He also founded, eventually founded Times Square Church, which is a large church in New York City. And so God used him over the years mightily to, to reach many, many young people, still using those organizations to reach out to people who are, who are in inner city. 
Um, here's what I learned from David Wilkerson's story, at least reading that from the first part of it. Here's what I learned. People of faith trust God enough to just step out. People who have great faith, they trust God enough to just step out. David heard God's call to New York City, and he responded within a few days by driving, driving there. He had no experience in inner city ministry. He, had, uh, he didn't even have enough money. He had to take up an offering in order to pay for his trip there. He didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't have a plan. He didn't even know where this court building was. He was just driving around New York City. He, didn't, he had no idea. In fact, he recorded this prayer. In the book, he recorded this prayer as he's driving there. He said, God, I don't know why you're sending me. This seems crazy. And he prayed, I ask not that you show me what the purpose is, only that you direct my steps. Now, that's a prayer of faith. He's saying, God, I don't even know why you're sending me on this mission, and you don't even have to tell me. Just direct my steps. As long as you tell me what the next step is to take, I'll take it. I don't know why. I don't know how this is going to end, but I'm taking the next step. I'm challenged when I read that. I want to be like that. And if you and I are to become people of faith like that, then we must learn to trust God and we must learn to step out in faith. So this morning we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I've been studying uh, Hebrews chapter 11, looking at the people of faith, the men and women of God that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And there's stories that are, that are there, and they talk about the way that they obeyed God and the, the things that they did for God. And as I read their different stories, I think, you know, I want to live like that. I want to live a life like that. And so what I try to do is I try to find a lesson in each story. I try to figure out, okay, what was the thing that they did that was so remarkable, and what can I apply to my own life? And there's a lesson from each story. The last time that I spoke here, I spoke about Noah. And I said, people of faith are crazy obedient. I was really impressed with Noah's obedience to what God had called him to. Today, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. And if there's a character in the Old Testament that exemplifies great faith, for me, that's Abraham. He's the father of faith. He's the, you know, the father of the Israelites. And if you look at his story, the things he did, this is a guy who trusted in God and just did what God told him to do. So if you're paying attention, I already gave you actually the, the lesson for today, which is simply people of faith, trust in God, and step out. That's what we learned from Abraham's story. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have your Bibles, you can turn your phones on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be looking. And, you know, there's a lot of places we could look at to study Abraham many chapters in uh, Genesis that, talk, that give the story of Abraham. But just for the sake of this morning, we're going to focus on a few verses that are in, in Hebrews chapter 11 there, that, what it tells of him. As you open your Bibles and find it, um, I'll pray really quickly. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the lesson that's written in here in Hebrews that talks about Abraham. I pray that you would speak to us this morning as we read this passage. Speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you into this room as, as we discuss this, that you would apply these verses to our hearts and to our lives, uh, and that you would encourage us and challenge us here today. Amen. So, if you're open to, to Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 8 is where it starts talking about Abraham. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a land that he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. For me, that last line sums up the faith of Abraham. He went out not knowing where he was going. No idea where he's going. No idea where this is going to lead, how it's going to turn out, but he obeyed and he went. God often gives us turn-by-turn directions. You guys, I don't know how many of you guys use a GPS when you travel, but GPSs typically, when you're driving, give you turn-by-turn directions. They tell you turn left, turn right, 500 yards, go here, here. And I'll tell you, you can ask Chelsea this, I hate GPS. I hate following the GPS. It's probably brutal to drive with me when I'm going on a long trip. I hate it. I want to look it up ahead of time, and I want to know exactly where I'm starting and where I'm going and what roads I'm taking and what intersections I need where I'm turning, I do not want to rely on a little computer to tell me when to turn left and when to turn right. It drives me nuts. I would rather like, just look it up and look it all and memorize it and then turn it off because I don't want and I didn't ask you for, to tell me when to slow down and when to turn. <laughs> Anybody else with me on that? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. I got some bad news for you guys. A lot of times God gives us one step at a time. God, that's how God, a lot of times God speaks to us. He just gives us a little bit of direction. And then when we obey, he gives us the next step. It's turn by turn. It's step by step. In fact, when God first called Abraham, all he said, and it's in Genesis 12, all God said was, go, leave your family, leave your household, and go to a place I'll show you. That was the extent of the directions. Go, and I'll show you where to go. He didn't even tell him which direction to walk in. He just said, start walking, and I'll show you. But Abraham went. He had faith, because God said go, and he went. So Hebrews Hebrews 11 says, in verse 9, it says, By faith he went to a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Isaac is his son, Jacob is his grandson. They were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, I said earlier at the very beginning that we need to trust God enough to go wherever he sends us. And that's something that is, I feel like is easy to say yes to. Like, will you go where God says to go? Yes, I'll go. In fact, it's a little bit exciting for me. It's like, yeah, wherever God says to go, I'm going to go. But it gets hard when you start to walk it out. If you've lived life at all, you've learned Things don't always turn out as easy and as well as you think they will. Sometimes finances are more difficult. Money is harder to come by than you think it will be. Relationships aren't always as smooth as you hope that they will be. And sometimes you know God's called you to something. God has you in a specific place. Once you start to walk it out, though, you find this is, this is harder than I thought it would be. And you, it, it can be easy to doubt. Am I in the right place? Did God really know what he was doing when he called me here? But I'm going to give you a trick. Abraham knew a trick, and we can learn the same trick. And that's Abraham kept his eyes on the promise of God, not on the land that he was in. Kept his eyes focused on the promise, not on the land. 
When God gave Abraham instructions, told him to go, leave your family and go, and I'll show you where to go, he also gave him a promise. He said, and I will make a great nation from you. And your children, your descendants, will be a great nation in the world, more than can be counted. And they will, from them, the whole world will be blessed. And this is a promise that's given to Abraham. So Abraham focused on that promise. The whole time that he was living in a tent, he was dreaming of a city. He could have looked around and said, God, you told me this was the promised land and it, and it I would be a nation. But right now, it's me and my wife camping out in a tent in the desert, surrounded by enemy tribes. This is not the promised land. But he didn't focus on where he was at right now. He was focused on the promise God gave him. This is the promised land. There will be a city built here. And there will be a nation here. And he lived for that promise. And that's a really good, that's a really good lesson for us to learn. I don't know if you guys have ever felt similar. Ever felt like God called you to something? God put you somewhere. There was a promise, but at the moment it feels like you're living in a tent. It feels like you're living surrounded by enemies. Maybe here's an example just to help you see what I'm talking about. Maybe you felt like God promised me a family. God promised me that my children would love and serve him. And I believe that's a promise. But right now I look at my kids and all I see are stubborn, selfish, hard-headed heathens. There's no way this is the promise of God. I'm sure I'm probably the only person who's ever thought that. But the thing is, the point is that we need to keep our eyes on God's promise, not on the situation, because it can get really easy to look around you at the way things are going and think, this can't be, this can't be right, this can't be the, what God had in mind. When your trust is being tested, remember the promise of God. Here's another example. Sometimes, and this is kind of hard to admit uh, here in church, but to be honest with you guys, sometimes it's hard for me to hear the voice of God. Sometimes I'm almost afraid that God doesn't speak to me. Or I'm afraid that he's speaking and I'm not hearing it. I hear other people say, God told me this. Or, I heard God say that and I think, man, I, I don't feel like God speaks to me like he does to other people. And that's scary. But I've been learning in recent months that when I feel like that, when I begin to doubt whether or not God speaks to me, to turn back to the truth. In John chapter 10, this is one of my favorite passages to go to, it says very clearly in black and white, it says that Jesus is a good shepherd. And when he speaks his sheep, and that's me, I'm a sheep, when he speaks his sheep, hear his voice, and they follow him because they know his voice. And that's a promise, that's a truth that I can go to. And when my feelings don't feel like God is speaking, I look at the truth which says that God will speak. And I will hear it and I will follow. Amen? That's a promise you can hold on to. So back to verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Past the age meaning she was too old to bear children. God gave them this promise that you will have children and your children will be so many they will become a nation. Problem is, Sarah's getting old and she hasn't gotten pregnant yet. She has no children. Past the age, she was, she was 90 years old when she had her first child. Now, I don't know if you know any 90-year-old women, but they shouldn't be having kids at 90. That is what you call past the age. (laughs) 
Abraham had some servants. He even had an illegitimate child. And he was like, that's okay. We haven't had kids yet, but you know, we, can have, we can start a nation with these, with these other people I got. And God visited them, and he made it very, very clear. No, when I said you're going to be a nation, you are going to have your own son. You and your wife Sarah are going to have a son, and that's going to be the start of this nation. And the Bible says that therefore from one man, or I think more accurately be one man and one woman, we all know how this works, but from one couple, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many and as numerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. When their child was born, um, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when they had their first baby. Ever, I was to wonder this. Why did God wait until they were so old to do this? Like, all he wanted was to pick this man and bless him and they would have kids and there would be a nation. Why couldn't he do that when they were like 50 or 60 or something, you know? That would have, I mean, even that would have been like unusual, but why did he wait until they were 190? I think maybe he was just showing off. Maybe he was just pr- proving a point. Like, told you I could do it. Told you I could do it. <laughs> I think he was testing them to see, do you really trust me when it seems impossible? You know, when they were 50 and God said, you're going to have a kid, he's probably like, okay, I can see that happening. But when you're 100, Abraham's going, ah, I don't think this is going to work out, God. There's got to be a plan B or something. Maybe we should adopt the child or something. It's important for us to put our faith in what God has said and not in what we feel. Because often our feelings contradict our beliefs. You can't always choose what you feel, but you can always choose to believe. You can't always choose what the situation makes you think and feel, but you can choose what you believe in and what you decide. Last year uh, in the spring, I had the really cool opportunity to travel with Pastor Chris to China. Um, he had been invited to speak at a, uh, a Bible school that was getting started over in China. And uh, this was actually the first, this was when it was just getting started, it was the first semester, the first class, the first time they were in this Bible school. And uh, so it was exciting, and I'd never been to China before, and I, and I like traveling, so it was a really cool opportunity for me. So, you know, the, the first day that we're headed out to the Bible school, we get to meet the hosts and the, the pastor who's overseeing this, this thing and the interpreter, and we're kind of getting set up. And, um, you know, this is all new territory for me. I've never been in China before. And they're definitely giving me the impression that we need to be really cautious about what's going on here. The government, let's say the government frowns on Bible schools being started there. And so they're kind of like, you know, just... Play cool, try to blend in, to try to be inconspicuous, don't talk to people you don't need to, kind of like stay in the buildings if you can. You know, and I wasn't too worried, but they were definitely kind of giving us the like, just be careful. So we get there to this Bible school, and it's, a, it's actually a farm. So, and where we met was like this one little building on the farm. There was a, a small little room. It was like a classroom size. And we kind of set up, and when we first get there, one of the guys pulls us, pulls us aside, or says to us, he said, well, we're in the back of the room, and he's like, hey, listen, just in case the police show up, if the Chinese police show up, just open this window right here and climb out this window, and then cl- go up in the woods up there behind the building, and just hide in the woods up there until it's safe. And I'm like, wait, 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 what, is, that, is that really going to happen? Like, is, is that for real? Is he just joking? 
And one of the other pastors who was there, he's like, no, 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 don't worry. That's not going to happen. Don't worry about that. Well, I, was, I couldn't help but think, like, does that happen around here often? Like, should I be worried? So we, we jump in. Um, Pastor Chris is uh, killing it, going through Old Testament. It's awesome. Everyone's paying attention. Things are really good, except for the lunch they served that day. That was weird. But everything else was good. And then around 4 o'clock, we're almost done with that day's teaching. I think there's one more session to go. Pastor Chris releases all the students just for a short break. And as soon as he releases them for the break, the room fills up with uh, Chinese police and officials and officers. And there's a guy taking pictures and taking notes. And we're like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And I'm sitting in the back of the room. And I think Pastor Chris was in the front of the room, maybe. And they start coming in, and they're grabbing books. They're flipping through the textbooks. One guy's taking pictures of everything. They're looking at the slides. They're asking all kinds of questions. And then the, uh, some of the officials, they start taking like the, like the pastor and the different leaders there, pulling them aside, and they were like interrogating them, asking them what's going on here. Um, and then they took our passports, and that's when I got really nervous, was when they took our passports. I was like, oh, no, now they know who we are. We might get in a lot of trouble. They might kick us out or tell us we can't come back or who knows what. Like, this is bad, like, you know. Um, they actually they took one of the computers, and they were, like, trying to look into one of the computers and stuff like that. So I started to get kind of nervous, kind of freaking out. You know, I don't know what really might happen, but I've heard enough stories about communist China to be nervous at this point, about what, you know, your mind starts thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen? And so I was just sitting in the back, like, all right, let's just play cool, just be cool, just be cool, try not to show on the outside that I'm freaking out on the inside. And I realized that one of the, the host missionaries that's sitting next to me, she's starting to pray. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so <clears throat> I start to pray, and like, you know, God help this, this, this Bible school and protect us and all this stuff like that, kind of praying. And like, like, seriously, as soon as I put my attention on that, I felt like this wave of peace, this wave of like, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen. This might be a problem. It might close the school. We might get sent home. might be an obstacle. But it's going to be okay. God's not going to let anything terrible happen to you. Um, there's, God's doing something good. It's the beginning of something really good here in China. God's watching over everything. And I remember that feeling of like, you know what? This is okay. And I kept praying but it was with such confidence and such peace, like, it's going to be all right. Um, and it was. It was all right. They, they interrogated. They intimidated a little bit, asked a bunch of questions. Um, I think the only question they asked me directly was, who invited you here? And I was really scared to answer that question because I didn't want to, like, throw anybody else under the bus. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I actually might have said Pastor Chris. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but in the end, they looked at our passports. They gave them all back. Um, and then they just said, you can't do this anymore. And so, to make a long story short, we were able to relocate the Bible school and finish the week of teaching somewhere else. And so, But what I learned in that was what it was like to be in a, a moment of like, the situation was scary and I felt fear, but as soon as I took my attention off of what was happening and on, and on God, it was like, okay, no, he's bigger than this, it's going to be okay. I learned that you can't always choose what you feel, but you choose what you believe in and what you put your faith in. In verse 11, it says, I don't know what your translation says, the one I read to you, it says that uh, Sarah was able to conceive because she considered God to be faithful. But in the New King, James, the word that's used is judged. She judged God to be faithful. And when I first read that, I felt a little uncomfortable. What do you mean she judged God? How can she judge God? And, 
And I don't know, you, when you picture a judge, what do you think of? I think of, you know, somebody in a, in a, a black gown behind a, a bench with a gavel, like, you know, giving the verdict and stuff like that. I'm thinking, she judged God? That doesn't seem right. I thought about it more, and I thought about the word judge. And what a judge does is a judge considers the evidence and the arguments and makes a decision, makes a conscious, intentional decision. And that's what Sarah did. She said, you know what? I've looked at the evidence. I'm old, and I ain't having babies. But I've looked at the argument that God is the one who gave me this promise. And I've come to a decision. I've come to a verdict. And that is that God is faithful. Even when I don't see it, I've judged, I've decided that God is faithful. And that's the decision that she passed. And let me tell you, if you think it's weird that Sarah judged God, I got to tell you, I think we do it all the time. I think you and I judge God all the time. By our actions, we make a judgment about whether or not we think God is really faithful to what he said or not. We pass a verdict all the time on what we think about God based on our actions. Let me give you an example. How many of you guys believe that God is a healer? Now, if you believe that God is a healer, how often do you pray for sick people? Whether or not you pray for somebody who is sick is a judgment on whether or not you really think God can heal. Or maybe we believe that God is a provider. But where do you go for with your needs? Where do you go to get your needs filled, your finances, or whatever else you need? If you go to God, every time you turn to him and say, God, I have this need, will you fulfill it? You're making a judgment. You're saying, I determine that you are the one who is faithful to this. You're the one who is my provider. Because people of faith don't just say they trust in God. They trust God enough to act. So remember what Hebrews said about Abraham. It said that Abraham obeyed and he went out, not even knowing where he was going. I believe that faith is a conscious choice to act on what God says is true. Faith is not just, I believe God is this. Faith is, I'm going to act on what I know God said is true. I told you earlier that um, for me, a promise of God is that he is going to speak to me, that I can hear the voice of God. But I can't just agree with that and say, amen, I have to act on it. And so I act. I say, you know what? I'm going to wait, and I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to listen for his voice. Sometimes I feel crazy sitting in silence listening for this, but I believe he said that he would speak to me, and I'm going to take an act of faith, a step of faith, and I'm going to listen and see what he might say. We did it this morning. You know, we, were, we tried to imagine what he, would, what he would be like and what he would say. That's a step of faith because we believe that he does speak to us and we're going to listen for that. Sometimes stepping out of faith means taking a risk. I mean, think about the story of Abraham. He left everything that was familiar, his friends, his family. He left his father's wealth and inheritance behind to obey God. And that's a risk. And it's a sacrifice for him to, to travel to a place that he did not know. He didn't know what would happen. You know, honestly, I was telling Chelsea about this last night. I would have loved to have been there to hear Abraham explain that to his wife. You know, hey, by the way, I sold the house and I bought some camels. So pack everything because we're going on a trip. I bought a tent. We're staying in a tent. Well, where are we going? I don't know. We're going west, though. 
I have a good feeling about this. The good news is you're going to get a baby out of the deal, so. And you know, Genesis doesn't give us a ton of information about like what happened in there, but if you look at the verses, God said to Abraham, go, and the next verse it says, and Abraham went. So if he spent time dragging his feet, the Bible doesn't tell us about that. If he second-guessed it, we don't know about that. It's, according to the scriptures, he packed up and went like that. And man, I love that quick obedience. That just, I don't know if this make any sense, but I'm going. And I want faith like that. I want obedience like that in my own life. Sometimes we overthink our obedience. Sometimes our desire to make good plans gets in our own way. I'll tell you what I mean. Like, I felt at times like God told me to speak to someone, like to go talk to somebody. You guys ever felt that? Like, I really feel like God wants me to share with this person. And I always say, or no, but I remember thinking like, yeah, I'll do that. I will do that. Let me think of the right place, though. Let me think of the right time to talk to this person. Let me just think it through. I'm going to plan out a good approach. You know, maybe wait till they're in a good mood. Pick a day that seems like a good day when they have some free time. And we'll make this a good, we'll make this a good conversation. And I try to plan it out perfectly, and it doesn't even happen. When I should just obey God and go right in that moment. You guys have ever experienced that, where you feel like God told you to do something, but you wanted to plan it out perfect, and so you didn't follow through. Not that I'm against good plans, but don't ever value planning over obedience. God's more interested in developing our faith than he is in developing a plan. He's more interested in developing our trust in him than in, in developing a perfect plan or a perfect ministry or anything like that. I'll tell you another story of a young Chinese man who uh, a couple of years ago, when my parents were still living in Warsaw, he was staying with my parents for a few weeks, and I had the opportunity to talk with him a little bit. And I got to hear his story, and he has an absolutely remarkable story, which I had time to tell you the whole story. But he... Uh, he had come to the Lord when he was a young child through in just an unbelievable series of circumstances. <laughs> totally a fluke or a miracle, I guess, depending on how you put it. But um, he came to know God in a way that just didn't even make sense. And he was in the city, and there were very few other believers. And they had, were part of a, a gathering, but it was kind of secretive. And he felt like God was calling him to be a leader. He felt like God was calling him to be a pastor. And he felt like God told him he needed to go to Bible school and study. And this is before Pastor Chris was traveling and, and teaching Bible schools in China. So he didn't have anywhere he could go. There wasn't like a Bible college he could just attend and, and learn about the Bible. The government frowns on that kind of thing. He had this sense that the Lord wanted him to go to America to find a Bible school to attend. But the problem is he can't just apply for a, a visa to travel to the States to attend a Bible college to become a pastor. They wouldn't give him permission to travel for that reason. And then um, there was a friend of his who he had met, it was an American that he had met in China, but now his friend lived in California. And his friend said, hey, I'm getting married. He invited him to his wedding. He was getting married in California that summer, and he invited him to come to his wedding. So this guy said, this is my opportunity. And so he applied for a visa to attend his friend's wedding in California, and they gave him permission. So he RSVP'd that he's going to that wedding. And then he kissed his, his wife and his young child goodbye, and that's when I learned that he had a wife and a young child, which makes this even crazier. He said goodbye to them, and he got in a plane, and he went, to Pen he went to California to this wedding. And he landed there, and he went to the wedding, and he said, you know, to his friends who were there, okay, um, I need to go to a Bible school. 
Before I go back to China, I have to go to a Bible college. Does anybody know of any good Bible schools I can go to that are starting soon, you know? Isn't that crazy? And so they said, oh yeah, well actually there's a YWAM DTS that's starting in a few weeks. It'd be a good, a good place for you to go and you could afford it and the timing is right and this is where you need to go. But it's a few weeks from now, so um, you'll need to stay somewhere for a few weeks. Call Paul Schultz, he'll probably give you a place to stay. And that's how we ended up here in Warsaw for killing, killing time. But as he's telling me this story, I'm going like, I can't believe on a whim you left your wife and your child in China and you traveled to California, no idea what school you're going to, no money to pay for this school, no idea when you're coming back. I, I can't even believe you would do that. And I, honestly, I think I might have made him feel a little bit bad because he's like, he's like, yeah, I know, I don't have very good, very good plans. I said, no. I said, listen, I have good plans for my life. I've planned to go to school and get a job and, and I would trade all of those good plans for the faith in God that you have. He tells you to go to Bible school and you get on a plane with no plans. That's amazing. I want that kind of faith. I said, pray for me. I want that faith. I don't want plans. I want your faith. And if you feel like God is calling you to something, and I believe that every person in this place has been called to something, but if you feel like God has called you to something, I want to challenge you to take a step of faith. You don't know where it's going. You don't know how it's going to end. But the time has come for us to act. The time has come for us to step out. I don't know what your situation is. God calls us to so many different things. Maybe God has put a country on your heart. I want to challenge you to step out. Start learning about that country. Start reading about it. Start praying about it. Not knowing where it will go. Just like Abraham. Maybe there's somebody you've been praying for healing. Maybe there's somebody that you're praying, you're believing God for miraculous healing in someone's life. Take a step. Start fasting. Start praying, not knowing how it will end, but you step out in faith saying, God gave me this and I'm going to do it. If we want to become real people of faith, we must take action. I started this morning by telling you David Wilkerson's story, how he ended up coming from a small church in Pennsylvania to this ministry in New York City. And by his own account, that story doesn't begin in New York City. That story begins in Pennsylvania. But it doesn't be, he said the story doesn't begin when he opened the magazine and saw that article about those gang members. That's not where the story began. The story began a few weeks earlier, in February of 1958, when he was sitting on his couch at night watching TV, and he felt like God dropped in his heart. Sell your TV and spend your nights in prayer. That was his first act of faith. The next day, he sold his TV. And he spent two hours a night in prayer. No idea why. It's like, why am I doing this? What am I praying for? He didn't even know what he was praying for. He just sold his TV and spent his nights in prayer. And that's when he saw the article. He was in prayer when he saw that article. When God called him and said, go to New York City. And if we want to be used by God to do amazing things, we've got to take little steps. Maybe it's turn off your TV. Maybe it's turn off your phone. Maybe it's... Um, fasting. Maybe it's prayer. I don't know what it is for you. But if we'll take these little steps of faith, then God will lead us step by step into the thing he's called us to. I want to be a person of great faith. I want to be a person of great obedience. If they rewrite the book of Hebrews today, I want to be in chapter 11. And I want you there with me. I want this to be a church of people 
that have great faith, that take steps, that follow God. So if you're with me on that, if that challenges you, I want to give you an opportunity to join with me in a commitment. I'm making a commitment this morning. From this moment on, if I so much as suspect that God's calling me to something, I'm stepping out. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to wait. I don't, I'm not going to plan it. I'm going to step out. If you want to make that commitment with me this morning, I encourage you to stand while I pray for us. Heavenly Father, we want to be a people of faith. And we want to be a people who obey. And we're standing right now because we're making a commitment that we're going to step out in faith. Even when we don't know where it's leading, even when we don't know what we're doing, we're going to step out in faith and trust in you. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to speak to hearts, even right now, about the thing that you're calling them to, about the place that you're calling them. I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us as we follow you and as we obey you. We bless these commitments that we've made this morning. And we just pray that all honor and all glory and all praise would go to the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I prepared and uh, as I planned this, you know, I get, I'm, I'm super, super excited. I cannot wait to find out what God's going to do. If you guys meant what you just said, if you meant the prayers that you made and the commitments you made, and you're going to step out when God calls you to do something, then amazing things are going to happen. And I cannot wait to hear what happens. We're gonna, people are going to get healed. Ministries are going to get started. People are going to get saved. Families are going to be restored. And I can't wait to hear about it. I'm super excited, guys. I'm super excited for what God's doing. Anyway, amen. Thank you. Be blessed. Be released.